for me. What's going on? Welcome to the All-American Chelsea Podcast. I am the captain, the leader, the legend of all things you see. All-American Chelsea, what's going on? It's your boy Christian coming back again to you. Live from beautiful Miami, Florida in the good old U.S. of A. What's going on, boys and girls? Hey, this song right here has a like a sentimental um, significance to me. This was actually the song that I started off the very first podcast um, that I attempted with back in the 16 and 17 season. Uh, 16, 17, or was it 14, 15? I want to say it was 14-15. I want to say it was 14-15. Either way, either way. I attempted to uh, start a podcast back then. I had no idea about um, uploading. I had no idea about hosting. Nothing, nothing. I had no no direction, no start, no beginning, but I recorded four episodes. And... I knew from the beginning that I wanted every episode of my podcast to start with music. And this actually, Hands on the Wheel by Schoolboy Q and ASAP Rocky was the first first song that I ever uh, opened up a podcast with, period. Um, And I recorded it in December. I know it was December. I know for a fact it was December. Um, I It was for a Manchester City game. So figure it out. It was either the 14-15 season or the 16-17 season. Um, check if we played or when we played uh, Manchester City in December. And that will tell you when I attempted to record the first iteration of the all American Chelsea podcast. So either way, what's going on everybody? Um today today is a good episode, man. We got the homie Alex Goldberg after a 2-1 victory against Brighton. Um and you guys are going to enjoy that. That's going to be a little bit later, but what's going on been going on with me last night we had a UFC. Uh it was at raging Al Alaquinta versus the Motown Phenom Kevin Lee. Raging Al looked nice. He had great head movement. Uh, showed off excellent, excellent boxing. Uh, he had a, I mean, Kevin Lee took his back. What was it in the second round? Had him in all types of trouble. But at Raging Al, man, that dude is tough as shit, man. He is a warrior. Tough as shit. And he got the decision last night. He hurt Kevin Lee in the fifth round. Even after all of that, he hurt Kevin Lee in the fifth round. You had his trainers, Ray Longo and Matt Sarah, getting into his face, firing him up, told him 15 minutes of hell, 15 minutes of hell, 15, five minutes of hell, five minutes of hell, Al. So that was awesome. Edson Barbosa versus Dan the Hangman Hooker. And God damn, Dan Hooker gained a new fan of in me. I've always been, uh, I've always noticed Dan Hooker um, 
he's had some good fights in the UFC, but last night he lost. He took a beating and a half, but the dude showed all the heart in the world. Dude's an animal. He is a warrior, an absolute warrior, and he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna quit. He wasn't gonna quit. He kept coming forward. Edson Barbosa was piecing him up, leg kicks, piecing him up, punches to the body. It was. It was something else. And Dan, the Hangman Hooker. Kept coming after him and coming after him and throwing punches and throwing punches and taking punches. And Dan Hooker, I stood up after that fight, clapped my hands for Dan Hooker, took my hat off because that dude is is something else, man. To take that type of punishment and to keep coming forward, that's what it's all about. It's That's what it's all about right there, the heart of a champion. Whether he gets the belt or not, whether he has the belt or not, the dude has it, and he has the heart of a champion, and not everybody has it. Not everybody has the heart of a champion in that sport or in life. Just You don't have to be in athletics to have the heart of a champion. You could be you know, a normal guy doing 9 to 5, trying to provide for your family, working hard, and just you know, keeping your nose down and just straight up grinding. You have the heart of a champion. So I've been recently I've been on a, a motivational self-help kick. I got the book uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and I cannot recommend that book enough. Um, David Goggins, for those who don't know, he is a former Navy SEAL. Uh, before he got into the Navy, he weighed about 300 and something pounds and he saw a commercial on TV about becoming a Navy SEAL. And he got it in his head about becoming a Navy SEAL. And he went to the recruiter's office and the recruiter told him he needed to lose what he needed to get down into 200 pounds or something like that. It's something crazy. Like he lost, he lost all the weight um, in three months. He got down to like 200 pounds in three months. Insane. His story is insane. Ran a hundred mile race on one day's notice. He had never done it in his life. And the book is great. Um, The book really shows you that through his experiences, what the human mind is capable of. But uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. I honestly can't recommend it enough. So what do we got today? Um, I'm going to cut the chase cut the chit chat and get right into the podcast today we have alex goldberg the uh how do i describe alex goldberg other than a fucking rock star the dude is killing the game on twitter killing the game on his youtube account just i remember i remember starting i started following alex on twitter when he had about like 10,000 followers. And I was talking to Sadiq one day. It was it was like maybe like two months later, three months later. And Sadiq was like, yeah, Alex Goldberg's about to pass me up. He's about to get 20,000 followers or 22,000 followers. I was like, what? So he's he he he's on a rocket ship, man. He is on a rocket ship. And who knows where where 
you know, where we're going to find Alex Goldberg in three, two years, three years, a year from now. Who knows, man? But if he keeps this trajectory, it wouldn't surprise me if he has 50, 60, 100,000 Twitter followers. Uh, his videos get half a million views. Dude's on fire. Absolutely on fire. And an inspiration and somebody that I, quite honestly, I look up to when it comes to this, uh, you know, my podcast, my Twitter presence, moving forward, YouTube, that's right, the YouTube channel's coming, um, the website's gonna be launched in January, and a lot of stuff on mine is coming, I got a secret, I got a secret, I got told something, I've been asking for something for the last two months, if I can be a part of something. And this week passed, I got a maybe that I can be a part of it. Maybe. Now, I don't want to, I'm keeping it under wraps. What it could potentially be because I don't want to, if I get the no, I don't want it to look like an asshole uh, for talking a whole bunch of shit and it falling through. But it involves training. It involves running and getting into better shape. I weigh about 230 now. Going into this event or the possibility of this event, I want to get down to like 190. So that's nothing for me. Two months, two months, realistically 30 pounds, if not more, easy, easy. Provided that I go next level. Provided I go Super Saiyan Ultra. So, all right. Enough with the chit-chat, enough with the bullshit. Here is Alex Goldberg, and I'll catch you guys on the back end. All right, what's going on, everybody? I am with the man himself, Alex Goldberg. 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 Alex Goldberg, what's going on, my man? Oh, man, I got to say, that was probably the best intro I've ever had on a podcast appearance. So I appreciate you having me, Christian. What's going on? Not much, not much, my brother. Uh, we are, we're coming, we're doing this podcast right after our, well, Chelsea's uh, 2-1 victory um, against Brighton. And I just wanted to do a post-match review with you. I wanted to get your thoughts and opinions. I know, I already know what hot buttons I'm going to press uh, with you and I already know the reaction that I'm gonna get when I start mentioning certain players names So I am sitting back relaxing and I'm gonna hold on tight I'm gonna hold on tight because I know you're gonna take off like a rocket when I start mentioning some names <laughs> All right, my man. So very first question. This was a listener's request. I have to ask you this have to have to have to ask you this and i'm getting getting to the question right now have to ask you this uh okay so again listeners question i have to ask you this alex goldberg how did you manage to jackknife powerbomb the big show (laughs) (laughs) can you can you translate that for me a, a little bit better Okay, so for, all right, Alex, let me fill you in. Were you a wrestling fan growing up? Uh, of course. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I'm Bill Goldberg, the wrestler. <laughs> I gotcha. Wow, I should be way quicker to that. 
Man, I mean, I, I'm even embarrassed to admit that the Big Show I preferred over Goldberg himself. So oh my God. I really am unjustified to answer that. Actually, I loved the Big Show. So uh, I think I'm in an awkward spot here with my last name. See, I preferred your reference at the beginning of this podcast a little bit better. <laughs> that was clearly a Mighty Ducks reference on your part, which I'm uh, probably more oh, partial. Dude, dude, I completely slipped. Goldberg, the goalie from the Mighty Ducks. I'm talking about Bill Goldberg, and you thought I was talking about Goldberg, the the goalie from the Mighty Ducks. I completely forgot about that Goldberg. I completely see, forgot see, about I, that I one. Prefer, I prefer that. Nothing against Bill Goldberg, the wrestler. He definitely gives me a good name in some ways, but I was a huge Mighty Ducks fan, even though I don't care for hockey. And I got to tell you, all throughout my school life whether it was middle school high school throughout the hallways people would just hear me see me in the hall and just go goldberg <laughs> i assume that's what your reference was so unfortunately for the listener i can't really answer that question i was actually a big big show fan oh my god so all right so we got that out of the way oh man i can't believe that's so funny i never even put your last name with <laughs> the goldberg from the mighty ducks I should have known. I deserve to get scored on by a flying V. I deserve it. I deserve it. All right, my man. So what did you think about the game today? Well, when you look at it from a hole and you take a step back and you just know that Chelsea got three points away, you really have to be happy. Now, I definitely think the second half was a little bit of a letdown. But once again, I was nervous about this game heading in. And maybe I was nervous because of what happened against Wolves. And this is just a classic trap game. Brighton at home is not as easy as you may think. So overall, I'm happy, but there are definitely correctable things. But, you know, if you want to finish top four, if Chelsea want to finish top four, these games against lesser sides, whether they're home or away, are absolute must wins. And at the end of the day, they got the win. And 2-1, but... I feel like once Brighton equalized, Chelsea weren't in incredible danger about coming up with a draw. Yes, there was a foul laid on by Marcos Alonso, but I'm sure we'll get to him. But but overall, I feel like the three points was in, in solid grasp for Chelsea. There are things to work on, but at the end of the day, this is a good win. There's really no other way to slice it. It's a good win. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same. Um, these are the type of the games that if I think back to our 14-15 season when we won the title with Mourinho... Um, more so that season than our 16-17 season with uh, under Conte. There were so many games and wins in the 14-15 season, especially on the back half. They were just grind them out. 1-0, 2-1, where we just... It felt like the clock took forever to hit 90. Um, yeah. And it was just... This, this kind of gave me that feeling where... Where we came out now, the first half. Everybody, everybody's gonna talk about our first half. Um, and I really think the first half, it, it, there's a half. There's there. This, this is a game of like what three halves, sort of speak. Would you say so? The first half we can divide it into two halves. I felt like the first like fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes of the game, um, we were sloppy. We were so sloppy. Did you see that? Did you feel like the boys knew that they were the better team, and the, but they, they were pressing way too much? You're talking about in the very beginning of the first half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very beginning yeah. of the first half. Like the first, theoretically, it's really like first 20 minutes, but I do feel like the for sure, for sure, 
the first 15 minutes, there was a ton of misplaced passes, sloppy passes, and I and I personally felt like the boys were pressing too much. What did you think? Why 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 was that? Why was that happening? Uh, it's interesting that you say they might have been pressing too much. I mean, maybe they were, but I actually think that ironically some of the slow starts in the beginning and Chelsea have kind of started slow for much of the season even if they've had great games I feel like some of the slow starts Maurizio Sarri has attested to not pressing enough so maybe they overpressed in your eyes and maybe they actually did overpress that wasn't necessarily a note that I cognizantly thought of but it'll be interesting I try and watch these games a second time I'm interested if I'll see that the second time around but I just I do agree that the beginning of the game was slow, but it was kind of more par for the course. I think this formation with Eden Hazard, it's the same formation, but of course with Eden Hazard at that striker false nine position, whatever you want to call it, it's going to take a little bit of time for fluidity, fluidity because of course then Williams at left wing, Pedro of course is at his normal right wing position. But I honestly thought I, I hate to harp on one individual, but. Uh, Marcos Alonso was a huge reason why the game was starting slow. I, I think you would have seen much more fluid attack if someone like Eden Hazard got the ball to feet, Christian. There was a handful of times where Marcos Alonso on the left-hand side had simple passes to make, like simple, simple passes to make, and just couldn't make them. Kovacic had a really bad pass that led Brighton to a scoring opportunity that they didn't capitalize on. I, I just thought for one reason or another it was just choppy and it wasn't at all fluid. But once again, we saw that last week against Manchester City for different reasons, of course. That was more just Chelsea were panicking once they were on yeah. the ball because City was pressing them so hard. But yeah, maybe they were a little discombobulated and they were all over the place. But it just normally takes a couple individual moments of brilliance to get them either gelling together or just I think when the defenders set the tone, I think it actually helps the attack. But like I said, if I'm going to attest a slow start, for Chelsea to anyone or to anything, I'm going to give it to Marco Alonso. I'm putting the blame on him, and some may think that's lazy on my part, but I thought he was absolutely atrocious in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. And but and, and 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 just to clarify, I don't mean pressing in the in the in the tactical um, word by pressing. I meant like by their attitude, like they were trying to force over trying. Yeah, gotcha. they were over trying. Gotcha. They were trying to force the issue too hard because they they they. I felt like. They knew that they were the better side from the jump. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so they were trying to put their put the boys were trying, especially in the attack. They were trying to put their stamp on the game from the first whistle. And 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 sometimes when the first pass doesn't go correctly or the first play in any sport, if it the first few minutes don't go perfect, then you continue trying to force, 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 and you kind of and and, and it kind of kind of throws everything off. Um, and then the defense, the ball came back to the defense and they, they kind of slowed the tempo down a little bit and that helped the guys get in the game, but let's go for it. Let's go into the defense. This is it guys. This is it. Strap on. We're lighting a fuse for Alex Goldberg. Talk to me about Marcus Alonso. Cause I too, before the season in the playoffs, I, I, I mean in the playoffs, in the preseason, there were, I I want to say it was against Perth Glory, something like that. There was a specific play that Emerson made that told me everything I needed to know about who should be starting at left back in the preseason. I, it's in the, it's one of my very first podcasts. Um, it's definitely on my Twitter timeline if you want to guys want to go all the way back. But I saw it then. 
what Emerson provides over Alonzo. And Alonzo, to his credit, first few games of the season, Alex, you've pointed this out, uh, what was it, last week, the week before, where you said the first few games of the season, we were jumped on him, but he shut us up by playing well. Yep. But now I feel like the the, the cat's out of the bag. The eye of Sauron is on Marcus Alonzo, and, and the man can do no right. The man can do no right, whether it's his fault or not his fault. He's playing terrible, terrible. Yeah. Go yeah. for it, I mean, Alex. I'm, I'm sitting in. I'm strapping in. Fire away. <laughs> oh, man. It's like uh, each week I have to recharge my battery really quickly because Marco Alonso is just giving me new frustration time after time. But really isn't new frustration. What we're seeing from Alonso is a little bit of the same, and then he actually keeps adding a weakness. Now, Originally, I thought his on-the-ground passing, his simple passing, was okay. I thought it was decent enough. I thought it was good enough to get it to his teammates, get it to the midfielders, whoever he's passing the ball to. I thought the simple passing would at least be solid for Marco Salonzo. Now, we know the crossing is just totally abysmal at this point. He has an absolutely putrid crossing percentage. He's Terrible. just not a good crosser. Now, at one point, he crossed the ball into the box, and I saw someone say on Twitter, well, that would have been a good cross if Giroud was in there, just based on the height of Giroud versus Eden Hazard. Well, guess what? If it was Giroud in there, it probably would have been too low for Giroud. So you can't really give Marcos Alonso credit that it would have been a good cross for a taller attacker. He knew he was crossing it to Eden Hazard, and it wasn't a good cross. So his crosses are stinky. They're horrible. They smell. And then his on-the-ground passing is becoming really bad. And that's the type of stuff that I wonder if something's in his head. I, I truly wonder if something's not right. Now, of course, a couple weeks ago, people wanted to point the finger at the Fulham fans chanting about Marcos Alonso's past. And sure, I'll give you that, that it maybe it could affect some simple plays for Marcos Alonso. Maybe they'll get in his head and he'll have some bad passes. But he had bad effort that day, so I didn't want to chalk it all up to the Fulham fans and cut him the excuse. And, and now that I'm seeing him with such poor passing, I'm thinking that that never was even the problem in that Fulham game, that Marco Alonso is not right right now. He's not as good as he clearly looked like he was in the beginning of the season. As you said, I kind of laid off him, as did many, because he was helping the team win with either goals or assists. But right now, he's really not putting one foot forward in a positive way. The one moment he had today, Christian, was where he decided to step up, take an audacious shot, hit the post. That would have been a golasso. And that would have been that moment where you're like, okay, that's why Marcus Alonso is on the pitch. But he doesn't score it. And everything else he did was woeful, in my opinion. His passing was horrible in the first half. He is so slow. He's clumsy. He got beaten by a man early on on the right-hand side, yanked him down, which is classic Marcos Alonso. Then in the second half, when Brighton scored the goal, I immediately, now some people are like, oh, look at Alex. He has an agenda. He just wanted to get on Alonzo for it. I didn't say that that goal was all Marcos Alonso's fault. I think you can partially and equally blame as Piliqueta, Rudiger, and Luis for maybe just not reacting quick enough and not getting it out. But where does it start? It starts with the initial cross. And if you look at the goal, Marcos Alonso was so slow and so lazy getting over to his side, the left-hand side or the right-hand side, depending on how you look at it was so slow getting to close down that cross. And it is so important to close down crosses. It is so important to at least run at them with a little bit more effort because then their cross does not come off as well as they want it to. And it was a good cross into the box. Yeah, it was fumbled around a little bit. It wasn't like a perfect cross and goal. But Marcos Alonso has to close that down quicker. And then at the end of the game, he obviously had a very bad foul 
Now, one could argue it was a great foul because it prevented Brighton from a clear scoring chance opportunity. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that was just Marcos Alonso being Marcos Alonso. He was not thinking like, oh, I got to foul this guy, pull him down. Normally, he might get a red card for that. So I, I really am not going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that that was his instinct to commit that foul there. I think Chelsea got lucky. He was only a yellow card, and it prevented Brighton from a good scoring chance opportunity. But nonetheless, I thought Alonso was absolutely abysmal. Once again, the only positive was that shot that hit the post. And if he's not scoring or assisting, or, of course, taking free kicks and hitting them, which he hasn't yet this season... He's useless. He is useless. So I really want Emerson to get at least one Premier League start. I'm not even saying Emerson is like all that. I, I'm I'm less convinced, and I like Emerson, but I'm less convinced on Emerson than I am convinced that Marcos Alonso's not as good as Maurizio Sarri or Marcos Alonso fans think he is. <laughs> and that's, ladies and gentlemen, why I strapped it. I tied myself tied tight because I knew, I knew this man was going to go off on Marcus Alonso. When I know exactly every single play, every single point you brought up, the cross, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, that's shit. That is completely shit. Where is he going with the cross? The, nope. the, 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 the goal that Brighton scored. Bro, like, okay. To be fair, you you were watching it on NBC, yep. like I was. To be fair, I I didn't on their replay, and I, I'm not, I, and I say that because I don't know if everybody saw the exact same replay that we saw. But to be fair to Marcus Alonso, they didn't show us the build up to the cross. However, what I did see was I saw a man on Marcus Alonso's side, and Marcus Alonso was what ten yards away. Yep, 10, 15 yards away. So that's on, fair. Unless, unless he was coming, he, he, like, I, I need to see it back to know that, okay, he made a positive play in the midfield. He was in the buildup of play. There was a turnover. And he just got caught out because it happens. It, it, things happen. But unless I see that, I, I need to know why. I need to know why you were 10 to 15 yards away on a cross that cost us a goal. Again, like you said. That, that goal goes a little bit on everybody on the defense because uh, Aspie wasn't in the right spot. Rudiger could have done something to kind of affect the ping-ponging of the ball. Even David Luiz. We all can share a little bit of it. But the initial, the initial blame, the initial, uh, uh, the question needs to be asked first to Alonzo before we start asking questions to David Luiz, Rudiger, and Aspie. Where the hell were you, my dude? Yep. What were you thinking? What were you doing? And it's effort too, Christian. It's like once the ball is over on that side, charge, charge, absolutely charge. Yeah. Try to do something to at least get in that opponent's head and have their cross come off just a little less perfect. He just jogs. He's a jogger. He doesn't run. I know he's not fast, but even a slow person can run like they can run. It doesn't mean that they're going to move very fast, but they can put in the effort to actually run. He doesn't do that. He jogs. Exactly. Exactly. I know. And, and again, I agree. I agree with exactly what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know if Emerson is better than Alonzo. I don't know. However, what I do know is Alonzo is bad. Alonzo right now, or this, he's never going to be good. But fact of the matter is right now, he's been playing bad. And that right now is not just this game. It's the last, what, four or five games? Four games? Easily four games. He's been playing bad. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But, it's about time for Emerson, but we can move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a it's about time for Emerson. It, it is about time. And and we're still we're still haven't replaced Ashley Cole yet. Nope. And, and I'm not talking about Ashley Cole's status with the club, how great he was. I'm talking about we have yet to replace a left back with another comparable uh left back. It was Aspie for a time, but that wasn't his position. And no. even then he was just a great he was an he is a great defender. He didn't do Ashley Cole what Ashley Cole did. He just was great at defending in that position. But we, we still haven't replaced Ashley Cole. So uh, what did you think about starting um this now Eden Hazard as a striker? Um overall. Yes, he has he got an assist. Yes, he got a goal. But is this something that we could seriously consider moving forward or is we are just we have to do what we got to do because of our striking position is just so bad well I think it is important to remember that Maurizio Sarri tried this while Alvaro Morata was fit last week against Manchester City so today of course Morata is not even fit but you'd still like to believe because he tried this last week when Morata was fit that this is something that Sarri even has admitted he has been thinking about for quite some time but yeah Maybe it was tried for two reasons. It was tried because the strikers aren't scoring many goals. And even though Giroud has hit a much better run of form himself, he's still a 32-year-old backup striker in all reality. So it, it made sense to try it last week against Manchester City. That was the other reason to try it. Kind of big game and maybe you just get your creative players on the pitch at all costs. So Willian and Pedro as well. But I, I think sorry, doing it today, whether Morata was fit or not, was telling us, yes, this is something that Chelsea is going to now do this season. Whether it's every game, fine, we don't know that, but this is certainly something that we're going to see more of because obviously Manchester City and Brighton are not exactly the same opponent. So I was interested to see if this would be tried against the lesser team, and it was. And with that said, I think it makes a lot of sense to try this against the lesser team if you did it against the bigger team and it worked because, sure, Eden Hazard's hold-up play last week was really crucial for Chelsea to just relieve pressure from City's attacking but this week symbolism of the difference between Maurizio Sarri playing at an Hazard in that position and Antonio Conte playing at an Hazard in that position no matter who the opponent was last year, Conte was not a highly possession-based manager. So if Eden Hazard was furthest forward, he was naturally just going to see not that much of the ball. Now, of course, we remember that Manchester City game last year where he played the false nine, and he even said, I played for 90 minutes, but it barely feels like I ran around at all. Yeah. But today, you saw Maurizio Sarri will give him much more of the ball, even if he's playing that position, because Chelsea are a possession-based team now, and he will allow Hazard the freedom to come up for the ball, almost come to the middle of the pitch and he receive did. the ball. He did yeah, on the play he, towards right. the end of the game. He came all the way back. I even think he came further back, almost, almost he did to at the one back point. line. He did it yeah. one time. Like, at one shit. point, he actually did come almost into the defensive half. And I think there's a time and a place for that. I think Sarri likes that towards the end of the game because either way, Azard being on the ball is good. It relieves pressure. And he can usually draw a foul and just kind of throw the opponent off of their attack. I think early on in the game, he doesn't want that happening too much. He, he constantly talks about him being in the final third of the pitch. And I think for the most part, Azard did that. I think he stuck to his assignment. But it also does, it does help. When things get stagnant, that Azard has that ability, especially when he's playing down the middle, that he can come further up the pitch and receive it and kind of make things happen. So 
I, I think the experiment is working. I mean, look, so far in two games in that position, he has one goal and three assists. So he's creating plenty. And one may say, fine, you're putting him in that position. He's going to lose some of his creativity and his magic. Well, no, because he has three assists. If anything, if he had three goals, maybe you'd say, all right, he's scoring goals, but you're not creating the same magic. Well, no, he has three assists, so he's getting plenty of opportunities to create, and that's what he is. He's not a natural goal scorer, even though, by the way, he's a good finisher. He's a damn good yeah. finisher. But the most important thing that he is is he's just a creator. He creates magic. He did it again today, and I want to see more of it. No matter who's acquired in January, whether a striker's acquired or not, whether a winger's acquired or not, all the more, if a winger was acquired, I'd say keep Azard where he is and, and give him a better winger next to him instead of just a William and Pedro every time. So I think the experiment's working, Christian. I want to see more of it. He's the best player in the Premier League. Eight goals, nine assists. Rival fans can sit the F down. <laughs> and if you guys don't know what the F stands for in sit the F down, it stands for fuck, sit the fuck down. God damn it. Oh, man. And now... I will have to disagree with uh, Maurizio. Sorry, did something, and other managers. Um, Maurizio, sorry, did something this game, and other managers have done um, in the past. Uh, what sorry did today that I hundred percent disagree with, and that is substitute Eden Hazard off the pitch. I don't care if we are playing hundred and twenty minutes. It's triple overtime. There, you don't. You cannot send me a scenario other than Eden Hazard is hurt. Um, that I want him not on the field. Now and, that might not to cut you off, Christian. But are you giving any thought to the possibility that Sorry was worried about Azard's small knock? I don't. I, I don't. I do. No. No. I don't want it. I don't. I don't. <laughs> don't care. Don't care. I'm talking about broken legs. Unless you, he cannot physically run due to severe injury. I want him there. I want him there. And the person that I always want coming off the field in that position is William. Um, once again, for me, dude, you you had a video on William. What was it? A week ago, two weeks ago, where you said something that I felt like I intuitively knew, but I didn't. It, it was the first time that I'm like, yeah, he's a hundred percent right. He's a hundred percent right, and that is his attitude. This yeah. dude, I just don't get it. I don't get it. He, if I was playing, on, uh, if he was on my team, I wouldn't want him on my team. You can't, you can't not, you, you, the ball can't be um, away from you and you're just moping. You're not hustling. I always thought that William was a hustler, but that's not the case, man. At least not now. The dude is moping. The ball's not with him. He loses the ball. He's looking around. It, it, I'm sorry. Like it's time for him to go. I when Simon Phillips told me last week that Barcelona still want him, I I almost right then and there wanted to book my flight, pick, <laughs> pack Williams' bags up, and take his ass to Barcelona myself. Um, I, I I'm tired of this guy on um seeing the pitch i really am if he wants to come on as a subs if if Mar sorry can bring him on as a substitute last 15 minutes last 20 minutes but i left side right side in the midfield i i just i'm i'm over it i'm over it with him yeah well i mean listen you, i think everybody if you follow me on twitter you know how i feel about willian so today i'm just gonna agree with everything you said um but in terms of this game i mean 
this is not the day where I'm going to rag on Willian. I, I, not to say he put in a master class at all, but uh, he did his part in terms of his ball to Azard was well-weighted. It sent Azard perfectly in a nice line on a fast break to score it. Once again, he didn't. He wasn't amazing even on that play. The ball was gifted to Willian. It wasn't like he worked his tail off to come up with that interception or anything. But he did his part. He played 90 minutes. I do think he disappeared after the assist. But I, there wasn't anything absolutely woeful from Willian. But yes, listen, this is my thing. is What Eden Hazard is doing is amazing. The fact that he's leading the Premier League with assists is truly remarkable because his supporting attacking cast is really, really subpar. Now, Pedro, total credit to Pedro. Pedro just does what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's an old winger. He's one of the oldest wingers in the Premier League. But he's scoring. And that's exactly what Sarri wants out of him. And he's giving Sarri and Chelsea that. Pedro's doing his job. No more, no less. Willian overall is not doing his job, especially for what he's paid, how he's valued by some fans, but more importantly, Chelsea rejecting Barca's bids. He's 30 years old. He has almost no end product. Yeah, he scored a good free kick on Thursday, but he's good for one of those, uh, a couple of those maybe tops a season. That's his biggest attribute scoring anyway is free kicks, but he's just not good enough for right now. He's obviously going to have to play. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm already ragging on him more than I wanted to. So I'll just say good assist by Willian. Today is not the day I'll really bash him. But yeah, it's quite obvious. Even if you're a Willian fan, you should realize Chelsea need to replace Willian as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. And 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 I've had this opinion about Willian for a while. I, I I follow the Brazilian national team very closely. You know, the Brazilian national team, the American national team are the two teams that I follow uh, on the international level very very closely. And even for Brazil, it's the same thing. Even for Brazil, it's the exact same thing with William. I, I, I'm I'm over it with him. I really am. Now, uh, what did you think about Ruben Loftus Cheek coming in as the right winger for Pedro? Loved it. That was a brilliant sub by Maurizio. Sorry. Now I obviously see Loftus Cheek's future at left center mid somewhere in the midfield like many do. But I think because of Loftus Cheek's form, I know he wasn't good on Thursday, but overall he's been great all season long because of his confidence, because of his drill dribbling ability, because of his limited experience at right wing, but he has played there this year a little bit. I thought it was a great sub. Now, sorry, I actually tried to bring him on before Brighton even scored, but I guess there was a problem with Loftus-Cheek's socks or shin guards what or something. What the hell that, was that? Yeah, I guess, they that? I guess they weren't yellow enough. I have no idea, but sorry, he was pretty angry at the match official. But I thought it was a great sub because I think just like Azard's dribbling ability and ability to draw fouls and kind of almost go to the corner and really stall things, I thought Loftus-Cheek did that really, really well on the right-hand side. He was playing right wing. He was dribbling quite well. He had four dribbles completed in limited time. And even if he got dispossessed eventually, he was so far deep in that right corner that it was really hard for Brighton to just start an attack again. So I thought he was forceful. I thought he was dynamic. I thought he was strong. He used his body well again. And I thought he was the perfect situational sub. But I shouldn't really even say situational because I said before the game that no matter what the outcome, whether Chelsea were losing or winning, he should be the first sub off the bench. And he was. And I, I really think, Christian, instead of me talking about Loftus-Cheek for another five minutes, I think instead we can just say Ruben Loftus-Cheek has kind of officially made it as a Chelsea first teamer. Maybe not a Chelsea first starter. I still think he should actually start in almost all the games, except maybe Kovacic should start in the big games. But I think it's fair to say at least that Loftus-Cheek has made it to the first team. So what you're telling me is that 
the Alex Goldberg stamp is official on Ruben. Is that it? We're calling it today? I, I think he's an official first teamer. I really do. Because you hear all of these reports that other teams are interested in taking him on loan, but they're always these reports are now always followed by Chelsea not being interested at all in doing that. I think Sari is really growing to like the player. Of course, in the beginning of the season, he talked about how he wasn't tactically developed enough, but lately he's been praising him tactically. And I just think Loftus-Cheek's talent is becoming hard to ignore. I really do. And I think I know Chelsea and their history with youth, but at this point, Loftus-Cheek's 22. I feel like he's kind of almost out of that youth group where so many fail. And, and I think he really is an official first teamer for Chelsea Football Club. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. December 16th, 2018, Alex Goldberg has stamped Ruben Loftus-Cheek as an official first teamer. Done. Done. I I, uh, I tweeted about him. Uh, what was it? Close around the 70th something minute where he had like a, that run where he went into the box and he lost it. Um, but I tweeted about him. This dude is six foot three. He is an yep. athlete. He, Ruben Loftus-Cheek could have played any sport he wanted and he would have been a pro in any sport. He would have been a perfect, perfect wide receiver in the NFL. He would have been a perfect point guard in the NBA. Uh, I'm not a hockey guy, so I don't know. But his athleticism, no doubt about it, would have transferred into any single sport. Uh, it, it, at his size and his athleticism, he would have caused so much problems in the UFC if he knew how to fight. It's it's he the dude's an athlete and the man's special. Like look you look at Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba is the exact same size as Ruben Loftus Cheek. I, I would say. Ruben's a little bit more athletically uh, like built, but they're the exact same size. And P Pogba doesn't move like Ruben. They're exact same size. They're six foot three. Pogba yeah, Ruben. Ruben is very fluid. I mean, this is why some people think that despite him being six three, he reminds them of Eden Hazard from a dribbling perspective because his feet are really impressive. And and one thing is. Uh, something that you may have noticed on Twitter is there's almost becoming a rivalry on Twitter between Kovacic fans and Loftus-Cheek fans. And I think it's silly because I think you should be able to like both and appreciate both because they're not the same player. But I, I feel like uh, Loftus-Cheek, when he doesn't play well, and that's barely been at all. I, I don't think he played well on Thursday, but I really that's the only game, in my opinion, where he hasn't been good this season. I feel like when Loftus-Cheek doesn't complete a dribble, all of a sudden people who don't rate him will be like, oh, he's he's not tactical enough or he's not efficient enough. That's wildly ridiculous. I think when a dribble doesn't come off for him, they use his height and think he's clumsy or something no because he's way. six. Right, exactly. But they think that he's six three. He just tried to do a really impressive dribble and it didn't come off. Oh, he's clumsy. Quite the opposite. If he was five seven or five eight and that dribble didn't come off, you would say Oh, he missed one. He'll get the next one. You would be so high on him as a dribbler. He's a very damn good dribbler. So uh, I really think people need to start realizing that, yeah, he's 6'3", but he is quite tidy. He's quite efficient with his dribbling, and he really deserves respect from all Chelsea fans. I'm still seeing people say that they're not seeing it with Loftus-Cheek. I'm seeing it as we do this podcast, and I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. I, I think he is becoming one of Chelsea's most dangerous players. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. Why not both? Listen, if for my, in my opinion, the difference between Ruben um, and Kovacic is simple. Kovacic 
is a, a more defensive than Ruben, in my opinion. Um, even though on Thursday he had a hell of a tackle where he slid, it felt like he slid from one touchline to the other. Uh, 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 where was it? Uh, by our by our box, he slid from. It felt like twenty yards, but. Ruben is, is less defensive than Kovacic, and Kovacic is less offensive than Ruben. Um, they both pre- they're two different players. They both present two different skill sets. So there's no need to have uh, a rivalry between one or the other. Some games you should start Kovacic. Other games you should start Ruben. It's I mean, it's silly, but it's silly. Uh, I I don't know, but he is he is impressive. He is impressive. That dude's a special player. Um, Special, 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 special player. What else didn't we cover, my man? So what? It, so I mean, final standing on the table, we got Liverpool in first place, City in second, Tottenham in third. We're in fourth. Um, next game, I think we're playing Leicester. No, that sounds right. Um, yeah, I can check it right now. But I mean, I know overall this this stretch of games for Chelsea, they're not facing really any big team. So, I mean, the, I think these games are all really important. Yeah, it's Leicester next uh, no, weekend. No, no, it's Bournemouth. It's well, Bournemouth, Bournemouth the on Carabao Wednesday. Cup. Yeah, that's the Carabao yeah. Cup. Um, so, different competition, but nonetheless, it's still not a huge team. And I would like to see that team rotated a little bit. We'll see if youngsters like Ampadu and Hudson-Odoi play. I doubt they will, unfortunately, because tomorrow is the FA Youth Cup, and I know that makes fans frustrated, but I think... At least one of them will play. I'm not a reporter by no means, but I wouldn't get your hopes up to see them at least starting on Wednesday against Bournemouth. So I think you'll I think on the positive though, Christian, you'll see someone like Loftus Cheek starting that game, which Absolutely. will be good. Um yeah, and then next weekend it's Leicester City. And really for for a good run of games, Chelsea are not facing a top team. But that means those games are still vastly important. As I said at the beginning, you got to get three points again against Leicester City. You got to get it against Watford. You got to get it against Crystal Palace, then Southampton. Then it's Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Then it's Newcastle in the Premier League. So that is a lot of lesser teams. And really, they should be sweeping all of them. They should be getting three points from all. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have to worry about uh, dropping points until... I mean, shit. If you even, I mean, dropping points until Arsenal. I don't yeah. like. I don't like doing that. I don't like uh, looking past any opponents. Even though I spent what the first half of the season, I spent pretty much August through December <laughs> until we played Manchester City, looking past everybody, saying we're gonna sweep everybody. <laughs> so uh, I don't like doing that. However, we don't have a tough game until Arsenal. Um, anything less than three points in all the games, I'm going to be disappointed because we shouldn't lose to anybody. Yeah, I would agree. Alex Goldberg, question. If I was somebody that wanted to hear more from you, let's say I'm like, damn it, I need another. I'm, I'm a huge Chelsea fan. I already subscribe to 100% Chelsea. I already watch all of Nini's videos. I'm on CFC videos. I'm on every YouTube channel. But I want one more. I need one more in my life. There's more YouTube that I want to watch. Where could they find your channel? How can they find your YouTube channel? I appreciate that. So, yeah, it's a fairly new channel. It's been up for about two months, but it's called The Byline. Pretty straightforward, called The Byline. You'll find it pretty easy if you search that into YouTube. And I'm doing much more of the same like I've been doing on Twitter with the videos on there. They're just a little bit longer and not too long, but longer than Twitter allows. And I'm doing match reviews, certainly after games. I already have 
this match review from Chelsea Brighton already out, so you can go watch that. And besides match reviews, I, I like to at least once or twice midweek just put out a video on a random thought I have on a player a transfer rumor. There's going to be more of those, of course, with January coming. So, yeah, if you'd be so kind, just check out the byline on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that bell for notifications. I appreciate it. And all the channels that you just shouted out beforehand, Nini, 100% Chelsea, all of them, those are great channels as well. Also inspirations for me as a Chelsea YouTuber. Eventually, I might actually branch out and talk about a little bit more than Chelsea. But for right now, it's just strictly Chelsea on the byline. And then beyond that, uh, if you're at all interested in Serie A, I do a podcast called the Calcio Land Podcast with David Amoyal from GianlucaDiMarzio.com, that transfer writer who gets almost everything right. So that's where you can find me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I guess, what if what if they're like, you know what, this guy is awesome. Like, what's his Twitter handle? Uh, yeah, proceed with caution. I can be loud and aggressive on Twitter. But my Twitter handle is Alex Goldberg underscore. That's going to be mainly Chelsea tweets as well. And I try. I do try to get back to people who write to me on Twitter. So I will do my best. He, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he actually does. He gets back to when he can, when he can, because the man is a rock star. He has millions of followers. But if he gets to you, he'll get to you. That's that's the that's the God's honest truth. Um Alex Wolberg, you brought up something before I let you go. You brought up a point that I wanted to touch on. January's coming, transfers are coming. What positions A would you like to see improved and what positions B do you know will be improved? Oh, well, I mean I still want to see an attacker come on in. So especially with a potential transfer ban, but that's a whole nother story oh for another God. day. Don't, don't, but if there was that. one, I mean, maybe two need to come in, a young one and an old one. But if there is no transfer ban, I mean, they got to just bring in a attacker, an attacker to be correct in English. Um, so, I mean, with Eden Hazard in that new position, maybe it doesn't have to be a striker. I'd still prefer it to be a striker. The rumor about Dries Mertens, that kind of, appeals to me it's not necessarily the signing I had dreamt of because he's obviously older in age but maybe he would be useful because of his relationship with Sardi and his ability to play striker and the wing so maybe that would almost be a two-in-one acquisition but I, I gotta see at least a striker and or a winger and then beyond that I honestly care more Christian about some outgoings I, I really care more about <laughs> uh, and, and just those names would of course be Gary Cahill I really am not trying to disrespect him, but he has no place in the side. And assuming Ethan Ampadu stays and doesn't go on out, out on loan, there are some rumors Ampadu might go out on loan. But nonetheless, I'd like Cahill to leave. I'd like Victor Moses to leave. I, ideally, I'd like Davide Zappacosta to leave. I just don't know if they can get anybody in to replace him and be a backup to Aspi. Of course, there are rumors about Napoli's right back, Hisaj, but... And I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's like Husai, but who I cares? I have no idea. I have no but, idea how to say it. You got it uh, better than me. So it's really more the outgoings that I'm focused on. Your Danny Drinkwaters, your Cahills, your Moseses, maybe Cesc Fabregas. I don't necessarily want him to leave, but I'm not married to him staying. But I would just say if Cesc were to leave, they kind of do need to bring in a replacement then for him because Jorginho doesn't really have a backup uh, as my voice cracks and I'm still going through puberty apparently. <laughs> but uh, there isn't necessarily a Jorginho backup if Cesc were to leave. But I really care about bringing a striker and or a winger in, and then really more about the outgoings. Yep, yep, I, I agree. I, I want to see 
I want to see what, what, what happens in January. January is going to tell us a lot. January is going to tell us how serious Chelsea is about this transfer ban, uh, how serious they are about finishing in the top four. Uh, January is going to tell us a lot. Um, not necessarily so much how many guys we bring in or whatever. I'm interested to see the rumors. I always feel like we can tell a lot about what's going on with the club based off of the rumors. Um, obviously the credible rumors. I don't want to see uh, an article about you know some dude somewhere writing oh uh, Chelsea credible rumors. Um, that's what I want to. I, I want to see what what the club is thinking, where they can move, be moving um, guys, bringing in guys, and then we'll see from there. But um, Alex, that's all I got, my man. Christian, thank you so much for having me. An absolute pleasure to make my debut on your podcast, and I'd love to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Everybody, this is the end of the interview. All right, all right, all right. Your boy's back. That was the man, Alex Goldberg, um, with our our post-match review, um, Chelsea versus Brighton. Uh, You heard it there. You heard everything there, and I knew it. I knew if I, I knew Alex was gonna go off on Marcus Alonso. I mean, fact of the matter is, everybody's been going off on Marcus Alonso. I don't know what his deal is. I really don't. I, I can't, I can't tell if it's bad play, if there's something going on in his personal life. I, I just don't know. All I, all I know is that we're getting to the point where Emerson is almost undeniable. Um. It's almost undeniable that Emerson needs a shot. That's, I think that's where we're at right now. He needs a shot whether it's because Marcus Alonso is playing bad and he's never going to play good. He won't recover his form. Um, whether he's having, going through something in his personal life, whatever the case may be, Marcus Alonso needs a rest. He needs to sit down. Uh, and he needs to, you know, maybe... Maybe him sitting on the bench during a couple of Premier Premier League matches. I can't fucking talk. Will will kind of you know refocus him. I don't know. Maybe he'll feel threatened by his position, uh, not being so secure in the starting eleven in the Premier League. I I don't know. I don't know. But it's time to start shaking up the lineup and getting, you know, it's time for Emerson to get a go. And that doesn't mean that Emerson is the savior. That doesn't mean that Emerson is, you know, our world-class player in hiding that all he needs is an opportunity to to shine. That I I'm not I'm not not saying that, but what I I'm not also saying that that's the case and you know, all he needs is uh, Emerson needs is a, is a run of play and all our problems are solved. I'm not, you know, that's what I'm not saying either. So all I know is that it's time for Marcus Alonso to take a seat, reevaluate, refocus, uh, and let's figure out what the hell is going on because right now it ain't it. The, his play is, is not it. And he hasn't cost us. He hasn't cost us a game uh, recently. Recently, I'm trying to think if there was an issue in the Tottenham game. Trying to think. I don't know. I'm trying to think. You know what happens with me is like all the matches kind of like 
jumbled together. And if there is a specific moment that I didn't pin it and flag it when I'm thinking on my own, I won't remember. But let somebody else bring it up and then let somebody else like prime and pump my brain. Then I'll remember a situation. I don't know why. I don't know if that your brain works like that, too. But mine works like that. It's like I forget everything. And then somebody will mention something and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I do remember that. But if I try to recall it now, it ain't there. It ain't there. It's like it didn't happen. So that's all I got for this episode of the podcast. Your boy is appearing on the Attacking 2 podcast tomorrow. Um, I'll be on there with the guys. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Nini's going to be on the episode as well. So super excited about that. Make sure you take a listen to the Attacking 2 podcast. Just search for it. You'll find it. Um, look on my twitter timeline i'm sure i'll retweet the link a thousand times uh so everybody else can hear it too but that's it that's all i got i will be back next week i still next week is my interview with the former premier league player i still i'm not putting it out there just yet because i had he said yes but i haven't recently i i sent him a message and he had to respond back to me. So I'll be hitting him up this week for the final confirmation, the final pin down on him appearing on the episode uh, on next week's podcast for our match versus Leicester. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he comes on because that's going to be awesome to find out how a pro, how pros, perf- like what would be going on game week what what's you know what's the locker room like what's it like to walk down the halls uh and actually like be on the sidelines uh at Stanford Bridge so i'm excited for that one that's going to be a big episode and i'm excited for you guys to hear it so that's all i got thank you again to Alex Goldberg for appearing on the podcast it was awesome he can come back any single time he wants uh my doors are always open for the man He's an American OG, an American gangster, um, and somebody that's actually like setting the path, a pioneer, setting the path on on how to walk it for us Americans, trying to make it in the footballing world. He's an OG. He's one of the good guys. So I'll talk to you guys again soon. I love you. Be nice to people. Please be nice to people. That's all I ask. Support one another. Support any other Chelsea show podcast whatever each one teach one all you know a rising tide fills fills a rising tide lifts all boats fuck i'm hungry i my i got my head hurts i'm hungry so <laughs> i gotta get in i have still more work to do at my house fuck so i love you guys we'll talk again soon i'm out of here kisses Mwah. Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking a new hit me get up. First shot, come strut walking. A little bit of humble, a little bit of cautious. Somewhere between like Rocky and Cosby's for the game. Nope, nope, y'all can't copy up. Bad, moonwalking. And this here is our party. My posse's been on Broadway and we did it all way. Chrome music. I shed my skin and put my bones into everything I record to it. And yeah, I'm on. Let that stage light go and shine on down. Got that bar.
Rod Barker suit game and Plinko in my style. Money, stay on my craft and stick around for those pounds. But I do that to pass the torch and put on for my town. Trust me, on my I N D E P E N D E N T shit hustling, chasing dreams since I was 14 with the Fortrack busting. Halfway across that city with the back, 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 question. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give that to the people. Spread it across the country. Labels out here. Now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people. Spread it across the country. Can we go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can hold us. Can we go Damn grateful. I grew up really wanna gold fronts, but that's what you get when Wu Tang raised you. Y'all can't stop me. Go hard like I got an eight away in my heartbeat. And I'm eating at the beat like it gave a little speed to a great white shark on shark. We rock. Time to go off. Gone. Two says goodbye. I got a world to see. And my girl, she wanna see Rome. Caesar, make you a believer. Nah, I never ever did it for a throne. That validation comes from giving it back to the people. Now, sing this song and it goes like. Raise those hands, this is our party We came here to live life like nobody was watching I got my city right behind me If I fall, they got me Learn from that failure, gain humility And then we keep marching, Can I we said we go back, this is the moment Tonight is the night